Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi everyone, it's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on the journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Currently, we're reading Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Austin, and today we're discussing Chapter 8. Previously on Wizard Team, um... So Amari gets permission from her mom to go to the bureau. Um, so we're off, you know, to see more of the supernatural. She takes this these eye drops called True Sight, and then we learn that supernatural beings are all around us. So her neighbor is a witch, like out of you know the Wizard of Oz. She's got people on fire, Medusa-like people, like werewolves, or I don't know, some kind of like growling man. Lots of really weird and overwhelming things happening. Um, And then on the way, we find out that, like, Amari's mom ends up taking out a payday loan to help to pay for, like, supplies that she'll need while she's at the Bureau. Um, We learn that Quentin was a special agent at the Bureau. We don't quite know what that means yet, but it's, like, a little bit more insight into what he was doing. Um, and then we learn that the Bureau does not tolerate any kind of tardiness and you better have a teleporter and get there right on the, (laughs) at six o'clock on the dot or else you've used up all of your goodwill. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we are. But now we're off to the bureau for real and we're gonna see like what this whole magical spot is about because we still don't really know yeah I um also want to like mention we talked about this in the last episode that there (laughs) not only is there a lot that we don't know there's a lot that Amari doesn't know and her mother knows none of it and so we are about to learn a a whole bunch more of things that, um, like, in the first, like, two or three pages, Amari's about to go through a whole host of emotions. She's got this fancy new cell phone. She cannot call her mama and be like, yo, <laughs> guess what I just saw? Or whatever. So, um, I was thinking about this um, in reading kind of or in, in what Portia was talking about, about, like, kind of indoctrination and and having the way that these, like, secrets and things are set up, we're, like, asking Mari to, like, kind of pledge allegiance to this new system that she doesn't really know much about. But it also is, like, for a kid like Amari, like, further isolating her. Um, mm-hmm. And in a time in which, like, she doesn't know where her brother is, she's really worried about her brother. Um, and her mother is like literally her last familial lifeline and she's 12 and familial lifelines are like the most important things in her life. Like this is like a very isolating experience that we're about to read. And um, I don't know. Again, I already, I already, if, if, if it was Robin and the Night Brothers, I noped out at chapter seven. I probably noped out earlier, <laughs> but at chapter seven, I put that true sight in my eyes. The next chapter was like the end. Robin told her mama the end. So I have already noped out. Um, Mari is stronger than me. But, like, I couldn't help but think about just, like, how 
how much this is for her to not only take in, but to not have, like, anyone close to her that she could, like, download and process with. Mm. Let's get on with the show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Um, So we go into the Vanderbilt Hotel, um, which is super fancy. Lobby's huge. It's, like, very clearly a space for, like, the rich and wealthy. Um, And it immediately makes Amari nervous because it reminds her of, like, her experience at Jefferson. Um, It's it's like there's a sentence where it says, I feel like a speck of dust on a beautiful painting. Um, So (laughs) super sad. And also just, like, more of that, what's the word, like, just more showing just like the the very stark contrast of our world and our society um we're in Atlanta and so we see one side of Atlanta where you know they're struggling to make ends meet moms is working all hours of the day and night like she has to take out loans just to get her daughter a cell phone and then we come into this hotel where it's just like you know people on lounging on plush They've got waiters, like, you know, waiting on them. We've got, like, a string quartet in the lobby. Like, it's just a completely different vibe. Um, The economic gap. Exactly. And it's also not, like, again, kind of talking about, like, first impressions, too. It's like, oh, okay, am I just going into the same, like, hostile environment that I was just in at school? um, Where I have to feel like I don't belong and don't fit in and, like you know, I'm not supposed to be here or something like that. When we closed off the last chapter, she was already feeling a level of, like, shyness and timidness uh, with Agent Magnus, mm-hmm. and, like, just in seeing him after she'd seen him in the brochure, it already, like, brought up that level of, like, kind of, like, shyness a little bit, and so this building is adding intimidation on top of her already being timid, and I... Mm-hmm feel for her so much in that and I just noticed um and you saying the name of her school and also the name of this hotel like the white male capitalism of it all of like oh yeah Jeffrey like how they adult. both made their riches off of like profiting off of like either slave or just like extremely poor wages for labor like by underpaying the people that they're pushing to give them the wealth they have so it very much correlates yeah. with like her family's journey and the like journey that she's about to go on and the journey that she has been going through at this school um that's given up like has all this prestige behind it but really comes a place of murkiness and they're able to build over it with a facade of sparkling clean so it's really ironic that she mm-hmm. says she just feels like a speck of dust in this kind of environment um given that the environment is actually the dirty thing like if it were yep. showing the true like uh, aura of it, it would be dirty and she would be clean, lightning. Okay. Um, so then we learned that the hotel is a cover business for the Bureau um, used to fund and conceal the organization. Um, it rests on a natural wellspring of magic. Um, so, you know, we so, so basically what we're realizing, or not realizing, what we're finding out is like, she's not staying in the hotel she's 
staying, I guess, under the hotel. <laughs> like the Duro itself is not in the actual hotel. Um, so they go to the small hallway marked authorized personnel only. Um, at the end of the hall is a big metal keypad or big, big metal door with a keypad. Um, and then Magnus like puts in the code, whatever, opens it. And then there's another door, this one with a combination dial. So then he opens that. And then we get into the Bureau of Supernatural Affairs. Um, and like, this is the part that I love because this is like the whimsy, you know, like this is the part we get where it's like, oh, there's just like stuff happening everywhere and it's like definitely overwhelming but cool at the same time so there's like this enormous hall filled there's like a flock of fairies twinkling that um wave to her in unison there's um witches zipping overhead on brooms and like throwing uh black smoke at each other um there's like what is it there was um oh i skipped a page there's like two giants who are having a discussion about the literary merits of Hemingway. Um, and then eventually it turns into like, they're like growling at each other and they're about to fight. So it's just like, Which, can we just talk about the like toxic masculinity of that sentence? And like, right. <laughs> have you ever been around like Not for real. intellectual boys in college? And then talking about Hemingway and like, you like in the back of your head, it's like all of Hemingway stuff is kind of trash. Like it's, it's not. Yeah. Good, I'm like, was, okay. Why are we I'm literally, like, I'm like for real, bro. Y'all are lauding. Like there <laughs> like, are classics that I can bang with, but like Hemingway is Hemingway not, is not one of them. In. Not mm-hmm. one of them. And yet, you know like, everyone, you know what everyone, or Steinbeck. So many heated debates about Hemingway in which I'm like, yeah. You know that thing where people Why are always are like, this? write drunk and edit sober? I always think about Hemingway and the fact that he like mostly wrote drunk and I'm like, nah, I'm not trying to be like that. Like, <laughs> like I don't want to go out like that because it was not helpful for him, clearly. Um, it doesn't always work. So yeah, and the, it doesn't always work. Um, so then there's also like three dripping wet green things with a bunch of eyes. Um, there's just like Amari is overwhelmed, which makes a lot of sense. I cannot, it's all coming at her at one time. I cannot adequately express to you how completely, like, I would have been like, you know what? Call my mama. <laughs> <laughs> just have her turn around. Like, just overstimulated. And like, yeah, there's a yeah. moment, I, like, you know, she's like, she like forgets to breathe, but I would have been like, mm-hmm. no, like the full body shutdown, which like, and I like you yeah. said, like this part is like super whimsy and like from the comfort of my room in my onesie. Yeah, it's it's this, fun to I'm read. Like, this is great, but put yourself in Amari's shoes, and you're like, and I'm like, mm-hmm. So are you no. saying that you even see your like brother that. missing? You'd be like, I'm not even going to investigate what's where my brother <laughs> nah, is right now. Like, like, I I said, can't. like I said last episode, like I'm tell I I'm not gonna like totally give up on my brother, but what is that? It's above me now. I'm telling my mom, <laughs> somebody else. I am twelve. Like it's above my pay. Grade. I do not have the range. There are giants arguing over Hemingway. I am out. <laughs> I want. I have to take a nap. I'm sleepy. Right. And we ain't even gotten, we ain't gotten, we ain't gotten nowhere and I'm tired. I need a nap. 
and even now. Yeah. And, like, you know, she's feeling that way, too, which is understandable. And so I, I like, I do like the balance of it being, like, this place is amazing, but also this place is overwhelming and a little bit freaky, because what the heck is going on? Um, Magnus kind of laughs, but it's, it, it sounds, like, he laughs in, like, that, I've, you know, when somebody, like, has an experience that you already had, mm-hmm. like, like watching the Red Wedding, like, <laughs> <laughs> like you had the experience and you were horrified and now other people are having the experience behind you and you're laughing because it's like, yeah, me too, but also it's more entertaining when it's already happened to you. Like, that's the kind of laugh he gives her. Um, and he's like, we were all a bit shell-shocked in the beginning, um, but you'll get used to it. Um, I won't, so he kind of my mama. <laughs> me personally Robin's like nah <laughs> give me that that memory that memory serum I'm out I'm taking um, the other what is it the blue pill I'm taking the blue pill at this point he'd be talking to Robin's back like he'd be trying to talk to her and Robin would be gone. like I know you get overwhelmed like, but and then she's like nope I'm out <laughs> it would laugh. be like she would like, it'd be like if um they took a, like a page out of um Miss is what her face is name what are what is her name book and they had the finishing powder just like boom I'm gone oh I, just, I took Walter a picture that dropped the yeah. powder and yeah you had that ready and now yep gone um, absolutely not so Magnus does give a little bit more context in saying that like the purpose of the bureau is to ensure that there are places like this so like having safe places for supernatural beings to hang out without glamours or disguises um, and just kind of like be themselves. Right. Which is like, again, like I think we discussed this, we discussed this like, I don't remember which chapter, but it was like, it was a few weeks ago just about like this odd balance of, you know, we've talked a lot about like the secrecy and how it's like, really unethical and there's like some systemic problems that need to be dealt with um but then on the other hand like these people do need a safe space to to be and like they've seen the the how the smallest difference can create a whole lot of like problems um and so their choice is to stay separate and just keep stay secret um, and so it's like a really interesting dichotomy between the two. I think, especially as we get further, and we kind of also see what else the system of like the bureau has created, like what other like what's the word like injustices and um, inequalities that it has created. Um, but then at the core of it, it's them just trying to like have this have a way to, like, exist safely in the world. Yeah, it's it's a tricky uh, one, right? Because, yeah, yeah you, you, like we said earlier, like, I definitely understand, like, these, it's it definitely needed, but it just, the, the way in which it is enforced is problematic. Mm-hmm. I just think also and as well the way in which people are like 
the human, I guess, part, like Magnus talks about, like, it also feels like the humans are the ones that run the Bureau and are also enforcing the, sec like, the secrecy. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do we consider humans with magical abilities human? I'm, I'm confused about that. Like, the way that he kind of, like, distinguishes the categories is a little bit murky to me. But, well, no, because they say, um, like, the known world and, like, supernatural. So I think that, like... And it to me, it feels like all humans have magic potential. Um, it's just a matter of okay. whether they are either already in that world or if they, like, you know what I mean? It's a matter of, like, whether that mm -hmm. potential is unlocked or boosted, which I guess, yeah, yeah that's that's the word. Um, but I, yeah, I just feel like the, the way... But then there's the also human. other beings who are straight up not human. Right, 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 right. And my point, though, is that, like, it feels like the, the humans who have magical potential or whatever are the ones that are controlling the Bureau as well. And so there is also, mm. there's still this othering of the non-humans, and it's it's a little bit white savior-ish in his um, explanation of, like, doing, they need their safe spaces and we're here to help protect them as much as we are to protect humans from them. It just feels like yes, but it doesn't need to be like this. There's a better system. I know there is. I know it. Mm. Give me, give There's me definitely a better system. A couple weeks to sit down in a room and really think it through, and I could come up with a better system. <laughs> <laughs> I figure out how, how all this actually it. works. If it wasn't time, <laughs> if, it, if we didn't have to find Quentin, <laughs> like, right. if we weren't on a, if we weren't already on a mission, we need to sit down and think this through. Um, so yeah, so then they get on this elevator, <clears throat> they get on this elevator, um, and it speaks, it says, welcome to the Bureau, Special Agent Beauregard Magnus and trainee Amari Peters. It's so good to see that you've trimmed that hideous beard, Agent Magnus. It was truly becoming an eyesore. So we've got talking elevators with personalities and opinions and um, who can hold a conversation because then Magnus like responds and Amari's kind of like, so you're, you're ta definitely talking to this elevator, right? Um, the elevator's name is Lucy and she is not supernatural. She is AI. I'm out. Um, yeah, I know. Robin is definitely no longer in the building. <laughs> Robin heard. If Mama can't come uh, oh pick no, her Robin up. Watched. She's gonna take the bus. Oh. <laughs> Robin watched those uh, Shield episodes with them bots and was like, "Never." She Over said, with. "Lucy, I heard Ava. I'm out. I'm <laughs> what are those? The like model decoys? What are those called? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, life model decoys and then Ava, right? Yeah, Ellen, Ellen, D yeah. Ada, 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 Ada. Come out, Ada. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> Your fiance on um, America has a problem. No, no, mm -hmm. no, <laughs> <laughs> not for real. Um, but it is like yes, the a artificial intelligence side. It is something that we've discussed in how the way that they like marry advanced tech with magic and kind of she she's saying like it's whichever works best for the job. They're not really like. Um, 
what's the word like pressed about which one they use it's like whichever one is the most efficient um which i think is cool and the the fact that they can kind of exist simultaneously and like together um is dope and will continue to be dope um so lucy takes them down to the youth dormitories but on the way, we see a bunch of other places. So there's the Department of Su- Supernatural Licenses and Records, which it pretty much is just like, to me, this description, it's like, it's the DMV. It's, it's mad DMV. boring. And it's the DMV. Like, <laughs> I was just like, I hate this for y'all. Like, y'all are supernatural. Got but all these, love- like, cool abilities and, like, things, but you still got to wait at the, the DMV. bureaucracy gets you every time. But I love every that Mari time. heard the description for this apartment and still was very so curious that she stuck her face up right on the glass to see what was happening over there. Yeah, she's like, what's going on over here? Because she ain't never had to sit it at the apartment her vehicle. So she's, she's like, ooh, licenses and records. Um... And then they get, they keep going down so they see the department of, so one thing is like, I do like that the elevator is like clear, so she actually can see what's on these floors. Um, So there's a department of creature control. Um, There are a bunch of people in plastic suits with fire extinguishers trying to contain um, this like big snake that breathes fire. Um, And then we get to the department of magical science so everybody's just floating around. Magnus is like, there's these, he calls them show-offs. <laughs> and then uh, there's Department of Supernatural Investigations. And then we just keep dropping, like more, go further and further down until we get to um, a floor that looks like a hotel hallway. And now we're at the youth dormitories. There's a tall, muscular woman in army fatigues who comes into view as the door opens and she salutes Agent Magnus. Um, I, Bertha is is interesting. Mm-hmm. She got a lot going on. Um, so before that, sorry, we we can keep going, but I just this woman showed up in army fatigues. Like <laughs> this is the military, and not she gives me um beer, <laughs> Madam Trenchpool from Matilda vibes. Yes, like, she does get like, those vibes. Chop at you or make you eat a huge chocolate cake. Ch- a whole chocolate cake um, by yourself. A giant chocolate cake. Um, I don't think she has that much power. I don't think she has enough power to be a trunchbull. No, she doesn't, For but me she too. just gives those vibes. She gives those She definitely, vibes, like, it, it feels like she wants, it feels like if she had the power, then that's what she would do instead of just essentially being an RN or, or RA. Yeah. Um. I feel like if you and like, like this is probably a cut for people who've watched uh The Outcast on um Amazon. But she reminds me of the the uh I guess it's basically probation officer, but not really because she's just like their volunteer services officer basically. And she acts mm. like she's like trained to be in the police force because she wants to be part of the police force, but she's not actually part of any kind of enforcement like, and so she looks up like, to the enforcers but she's in not office. yeah and that's what she vibes she gave me because she's like saluting because he's a, from the like an agent from yeah the and bro was and like stuff, i mean like take like care he returns the salute but i don't think Do it was, nobody else yeah. saluted this man like <laughs> right <laughs> like, it's just a lot like she's just giving a lot for somebody who's watching some kids like please calm down um so 
one thing is before, so like for this is where Agent Magnus and Amari are like, you know, this is where they split up. Um, but before that happens, Amari wants like she's like, wait a second, I wanted to ask you about. Well, she gets cut off, um, and Magnus is like, yeah, I know you want to ask me about your brother, but you know, all of that is classified and. We're not allowed to discuss it with the trainee, which I just personally feel like. And then he's like, it involves extremely dangerous matters you shouldn't concern yourself with. And I'm just like, okay, obviously you don't know this kid, but like, also this is her brother. It's not just like some random person that she is interested in. You can't just be like, it's classified. Don't worry about it. About her literal right. brother. Like, yeah, it just, it just doesn't make much sense at all and again i'm not like some all like secrets, random training who wants the the gossip like i, glory I actually, or the or just wants to know things it's like yeah and it's again it's like it's the it's the secrets it's it's like this place it's secret from the world and then within that are even more secrets and even more things that like just people aren't allowed to know um which just makes it very Sus, I guess is the word. Best <laughs> um, word for it. Yeah. So Magnus leaves, and then Bertha is no longer smiling. She's she's you know in her whatever. She goes, I don't care who your brother is. I'm your dorm leader, and you will address me as ma'am, and you will like it. Understand? And you're just like, girl, relax. And then she goes. Then she goes, it's bad enough I have to rearrange things because you've upped and decided to exist. Like, I just, I just need her. Not my existence, girl. Like, oh, like, my exist? Are you for real, bro? Please relax. Like, is it really this deep? Like, am I really putting you all the but way let me, But let me tell you how home? my existence she must has been She must be missing, like, she must be missing a Housewives uh, reunion or something because it's just, like, a <laughs> lot of just vitriol but like, for this child. I would be like, but met. let me tell you how entertained I am that my exist my mere existence causes you this much freaking concern. Like, oh my gosh. Like all I like, have to do is breathe on. and your life is rearranged. How unfortunate for you. I'm living <laughs> like that's really it's a lot. It's a you problem. She so she won't tolerate any nonsense. Put one foot out of line and you'll find your stay here a short one. I'm like, ma'am. Amari said, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, just the, I just walked off the elevator. I don't even know who I was here. I just got off of the this elevator. This witch is walking around on the thing. Like, I just saw this some This giant stomping upstairs. Go giant giant over Hemingway, and you worried about me existing? Like, go worry about your homegirl like, upstairs. On. Shooting fairy dust. Like, like there's, there's bigger fish in the sea. <laughs> I'm it's sorry, y'all. The name of the TV series I meant, right? <laughs> that I meant I to remember. say uh, that the the TV series name is The Outlaws on Amazon Prime, and it has Stephen Merchant in ah. it. I was, I had, to, I think it's hilarious because I keep forgetting Stephen Merchant's name, and then I look up a uh, linky British actor, and he always comes up, and I'm like, that's all I gotta do is remember <laughs> his, British like actor. he's a linky British actor. He just, he just calls. There's so many of them. Lenny. Yeah. but so he's the fun. he's the prime he's the, he is the one he's the one he is the lankiest yes of the lanky british actors. of them all the one lanky british actor with, to rule, them, to all. rule them, all. them all i agree with that statement he's the prototype of the, the lanky british actor he's like that's so funny oh.
Wizard Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create, a collective providing content through the lens of critical and creative fandom. If you want to support or partner with BNC on projects like Wizard Team, let's build. Find out how at blacknerdscreate.com support. Um, okay, so Bertha um, goes to, we, they come to a door, she knocks on the door, there's no answer, she tries again, there's no answer, then she takes both hands and beats on the door so hard it rattles on its hinges. I just think this woman needs some anger management. She's extremely Maybe bothered, she be and she children. needs, she's like, she's yeah. too she needs bothered. Some, she she's needs some wine, bothered. she needs some weed, she probably needs some weed. She definitely Probably. needs weed. As someone who like, does not smoke, as someone who does not smoke at all, I think she needs to get high. <laughs> I don't smoke, ma'am. but I do. And ha- like, I have had an edible from time to time, and ma'am, same. So, some, settle the nerves. Some good old stress. Just something to just, you know what I mean? Decompress. Decompress. A, a bath, nerves. a bubble bath, even. Bath a bombs. massage aromatherapy a hand rub there are so- things there are, we have the technology bertha you could we can we can make this work we can we can get you together y'all are fixing bertha's um, issues with self-care and i love it <laughs> <laughs> there's, 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 there has got to be in that huge building there has you know, to be a meditation chamber app, y'all got there's a meditation <laughs> oh, chamber somewhere in that building Go Woosah. Go, go up with the science folks and they just floating in the air. Like, go hang out, see if you can get some of that. Go float? Something. Ooh, but you... I would love to just, like, float lifeless, like, weightlessly in the air. Yeah, just just for a bit. Just no worries. Leave your worries on the floor or something. But Akuna Matata. Anyway, okay. the, door, the door finally opens. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry, she said a <laughs> She did. It's it's true. Um, so a lanky girl with uh light tan skin and curly curly black hair and thick glasses um leans on the doorway yawning. Um this we this is Elsie Rodriguez, who is Amari's new roommate. What? Um, so she she kinda is looking at them sleepy, and then she um kind of you know realizes what's happening gets excited it's like you're you come in come in tell me all about you like she's just real excited and like happy um Bertha's like it's you have an early start tomorrow which means early bedtime tonight there'll be plenty time for bonding tomorrow lights out and so like can we first just remember that it's what maybe like 6 12 I know, I'm like, what perhaps, time is it what happened perhaps 6 30 she just got here she got here at 602 they walked through the hotel lobby, went into the secret like, door, went on? down an elevator, and now it's like maybe six oh eight. No, nah, because like what's what the name? Can- six, no, I'll, I'll say it was six twelve. Because I'll say it's probably like six thirty. Lecturing, like six thirty. I would say like depending on how far that tunnel is in the elevator, how long like the I ride was, it could it could true. be six thirty. What I was going to say is, what kind of caregiver is Bertha? Because she don't even know this child didn't have dinner yet. This is prime mm-hmm. time for it could have had been dinner it's or not. It's dinner she time. Really, 
even inquire like do you need a, a meal sent t- to you because we didn't the close the dining room hours are closed but we can send you something to eat she didn't even like check no, on her she, said, she just like out. don't she said, say nothing call me ma'am get in this door keep your mouth quiet that's all she did go to bed that's <laughs> no kind of concern rush. for her charges Mm-mm. pretty sure bravo like, prime time is what six o'clock eastern or no, maybe that's Pacific <laughs> and it's nine Eastern. I'm like, she's missed something is happening. She's like, I need to get to my. She has it's not the World Cup. Because no. the World Cup is in the middle of the first off, it's in the middle of the winter. It's fucking me up. And then the first game starts at mm-hmm. two in the morning. So it can't be. Maybe, maybe, yeah. the, but it could be because she's got to go to bed so she can wake up at two in the morning to watch the first cap. She did say tomorrow's an early start, so maybe it's an early start for her. Yeah. <laughs> He's you know, like, I gotta get to I've been waking up at two. Um, that five o'clock game been watching me, but <laughs> you know, we um, that. Keep so the door slams shut. Uh, Amari's like, "What's her problem?" But Elsie has her quiet for a second so that they can wait for Bertha to leave, and then she um puts on or she lights a green candle <clears throat> and it's called a sneak candle, which means that you can't tell if anything's lit unless you're like three feet away, or if you're more than three feet away and Elsie invented it herself. So the first thing we learn is that she's an inventor. She's super smart. Um, and then Amari asks about like whether or not they have other roommates. Um, but Elsie says that the, there were other two, there were two other girls and they requested a transfer because she is a dragon. And so I already and this stand. This is where Bayana. This is Rodriguez. This is like, where Bayana was like. I, it's so funny. Friends. Like I definitely remember reading that and being like, "Oh wait, for real?" Like I was like, "We got a dragon in this thing." Um, y'all know how I feel about dragons. I love them very much. Um, but she's but not, like the she's not a of having your roommate dragon. as a drag as a were dragon. Like like your roommate is a were dragon. Yeah. Like how is like, a were dragon? Now that's something that new. That's something. Yeah. Do you though? I mean, we figure out that Elsie, as far as where dragons go, is pretty harmless. But like Amari, don't know what. Elsie but Amari, if Amari's chill about but, it, then we can be chill about it. Yeah, it's she's true. chill about it, and I also think so. Like we kind of learn a little bit more about, um, about Elsie's like backstory. Um, like yes. her parents, well, first of all, where dragons have been considered extinct for like 500 years. Um, and so she's the last of her kind. Cause like there was some egg that got found in a deep sea shipwreck and, um, they, once they pulled it out, she was hatched cause they can't hatch without sunlight. So she was like, her leg, her egg was laid like. 500 over 500 years ago she she is but she's not because she was definitely hatched like 12 years ago (laughs) um and there's like a dragon expert from the department of creature control became her legal guardian um and also she's they're supposed to shift like a lot younger but she still has not shifted at all so the bureau is has deemed her essentially human and then like kind of lets her now she can be she can join the bureau um so but like 
so kind of what we find out is that these girls, they decided they didn't want to be her roommate because they're like, oh, we don't want to wake up and find the dragon snacking on their legs. But Amari is kind of like, you know, she's she's in a position where she knows what it means to be judged before people actually get to know her and mm-hmm. having these like preconceived notions. So I think for her, she's like, okay, I'm going to keep an open mind. I don't know what a wear dragon is. Like, you gotta, you gotta let me know. Um, and so it's, I think it's just like a really nice moment for them to well, like, for them to make friends, for both of them, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a, and I love the idea of, like, them, like, it's one thing, I don't know how, because college is really good about this, like, I, roommates and dormmates, people that I met my first day of college, I'm still close with and friends with, maybe it's just, like, shared trauma, I don't know. But, like, right. <laughs> there is this, like, really great sense of, like, immediate, like, kindred spirits because they are and have been isolated so they can see and recognize themselves in each other and like Amari knows no one she's coming in completely blind Elsie knows about the world but like no one is comfortable to like get close to her so she's been alone mm-hmm. um and so I love the way that they that he like that's this up um yeah it's also like weird because i don't know how to say this correct you should not judge people until you get to know them and i do love that amari's like tell me what does that entail or she's like nah get me out of here um but there's also a little bit of like a you know my roommate was a werewolf may not be the most comfortable but also i I feel like if you're in a place that's like you're uh this place that's like designed to keep supernatural beings safe then they would have what's the word like safeguards around that right I would agree with you, except the fact that like, Mari's here because her brother is like I just don't trust the bureau. Yes, but I mean, like, like yes, but the, the, I trust, the situation like of him says. being missing. Yes, but what I'm saying is, like, if you did have a werewolf for a, whether they like work or not, but I could assume, like, if you had a werewolf for a roommate, then when the full moon comes, they're like, all right, you go come over here. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta stay in the. <laughs> in this other room by myself for until my change is through. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also, like we said, like they declared her essentially human. She hasn't shifted at all. So. Yeah. On the note but of, I think it's also um, just like... Oh, go ahead. On the note of no, Omari and Elsie um, bonding uh, uh, through their similarities, I feel like the poetry in it is that like Amari was isolated as being the only like scholarship person in her class, um, and who had like Quentin, who was like the one before her, who was her brother, and like having that being in his shadow. So she kind of has like that isolated experience of being one of, and she sees that in Elsie as well of being the last of her kind. Um, and so I think there's there's multiple levels to it, um, and I think that. Can already see 
Amari kind of like pushing back to pushing back at in like injustices that she feels like they're unfair. So I think that probably overwhelms any sense of like possible fear because she also she showed fear in the car, which annoyed me of like not being like judgy of people. Like when she's in the car and she saw the woman with the Medusa hair, um, the woman was giving her mom the right of way, but she was still scared to look at the woman in her eye. Like it's like that's you're like that's that's a stereotype that's like prejudging on people. So it's interesting that like she has a level of like wariness about the supernatural world, but it's not so much that like it can't be uh, pushed back by getting to know the people who inhabit it. So I don't I think there's a level of that going on here as well. It's not just that like she d- does have some like concern she's voicing it to a bit but she's not so concerned that it's like overwhelming her and she i think hearing about the other girls rejecting elsie puts her on her soapbox of like no that's injustice kind of thing yeah i think for me i think it's the idea and i'm not trying to say that amari should reject elsie what i'm saying is that like the thing that makes kind of amari special um is that your i think it's fine if your instinct says wear dragon i'm out but amari is able to say like tell me about that you know what i mean and then hears from elsie and then gets the story and then makes a decision i think but i do think that that sets amari up as special um or more open-minded and more hell adventurous she's out here i was gone at the ai elevator i was gone before the elevator let's be honest like I've been gone but I think that like it's a natural reaction to hear something scary and just like not give anyone like we talked about like I think last episode or whatever like context right context is important Mm -hmm. um especially when you're making these like big decisions um and I think that this shows what makes Amari kind of special and um, not so special. Like I don't think she, you should be a product for. I think everyone should like not ignore your base fears, but like take in as much information as possible before you reject someone or reject a circumstance. But I do understand as someone who is scary as hell, immediately rejecting a circumstance and not waiting for more information. Mm-hmm. so like yeah. I feel like that's like a terrible ex- experience for Elsie and I feel really bad for her but I also don't think that it is 100% the same as like what Amari deals with at her school at Jefferson because she is essentially a wear dragon you know at it That's all. Nuance. Word. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so now they're friends, and friends don't eat friends, dragon or not, which I think was really cute. Um, so then we find out that, well, first, Amari notices, like, um, uh, Elsie has, like, this wall covered in pictures. Um, it's giving Robin circa what 2001 <laughs> um in all the and? pictures and like oh i'm a huge fan i'm not it's not shade it's just that's what it's giving okay am i wrong 
No. Am I ashamed? Okay. I didn't say you needed to be. I'm just saying that's what it's giving. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking I heard some judgment in there. <laughs> um, so it's a bunch. She's the biggest fan of Vanquish. Um, so she's got, they've got action figures, rare junior agent editions, t-shirts, blankets, coffee mugs, posters. Um, and Amari is like, Vanquish? I've never heard of this. I don't know what this is. Um, it's a nickname for two of the most famous agents in the last 50 years, Maria Van Helsing and Amari's brother, Quentin. Um, so it's like a giving mashup of their... Giving K-pop. Or yeah, me it's and similar, me similar. In the or you and late 90s, early 50s. Yeah. Yes. It's just like, which I think is so interesting because it's like they're not singing, you know? Like it's very right. much giving like boy they're band. They're just like doing fandom. their job. <laughs> um, like, but yeah, but their their name is their life. Vanquish. Exactly. Um, and they single handedly defeated the last surviving Knight Brother. Um, which was the biggest arrest in centuries. Um, okay, wait. So I know, before I Amari just can... want to. Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to laugh at like the fact that uh, Amari doubles over laughing because there's just no way that her dorky big brother is a celebrity. And oh yeah, I <laughs> feel like the name Vanquish is a Quentin thing because he's such a dork in the way that he like the his password is Amari Amazing and all these like random like cute but also kind of corny kind of things like Vanquish seems like it's like right up his alley and I love that like I love that it like this all lives up to like Quentin is just as much as a dork as he is to Amari as he is a celebrity to this world like it's just hilarious like how Mm -hmm. the sibling shade does not go away even the more even more that she learns about his celebrity status she's like this man she literally this had, like, like not a single really? moment of, like, awe of, like, oh, my God. Like, wow. She's just immediately, right. like, y'all are all, y'all have all lost your mind. Like, <laughs> you don't know this world. You don't know what Quentin has done or yeah. can do. She was immediately, like, no, this makes no sense. Have you not seen this man That's around ridiculous. baby spiders? Like, what is, what? <laughs> um... So, yeah, so then she, like, Elsie shows her all these magazines with them on the cover, um, and so there's just, like, this whole thing. Amari's like, while I was spending my summers doing cannonballs at the community rec center pool, Quentin was out saving the world. So it's just, like, more proof or just, like, you know, clearly he, there are a lot of things that she doesn't, doesn't know about him. Um, so then she asks him, she asks Elsie, like, if she knows anything about what happened to Quentin and Elsie's like no one knows they vanished without a trace like both of them um and the bureau has not been giving any information about it they consider Vanquish missing in action and everything about the investigation is confidential and so like this is one of those things where like it's kind of why you don't make fandom out of like (laughs) Real people. Law enforcement, you know, real people. Just like not that, not that other like, not that like boy bands and stuff aren't real people, but it's just like if they have such, they become so high profile. Yeah, and then they go they become targets, and yeah. then you have this huge fandom become targets, but then also you have this huge fandom around them that like now they don't know anything and can't know anything about the like 
about the disappearance or what happened. Like, it's just weird. And, like, it kind of also yeah, makes sense why Amari because... and her mom never got any answers because nobody's getting any answers. Yeah. But also, like, it's, but uh, they still should have got some answers because they're the family. But it's also, like, interesting because it's, like, you would think that given it's, like, supernatural affairs and it's all kind of clandestine, that they wouldn't give this level of celebrity to any agents because they would, like, you know, they want them to be able to, like, be spies. Do their work. Yeah. Yeah. Do their job. And so it's real interesting that they, like, they lauded, like, again, I think it's the indoctrination of the Bureau being this, like, very prestigious kind of area and they're kind of upholding the, um, reputation of it all like that that this is like a celebrity size making it more like modern for the kids and the 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 gin alphas to look up to at this point or whatever because they're gonna they're influencers in this world but it's also just like it's extremely messed up like there's like there's so many reasons to not have law enforcement be have this kind of profile but that's also a reason as well mm-hmm. yeah um so Amari is kind of like, not discouraged, but just like, you know, it's going to be harder than she thinks because it's a secret even here. It's like not even just being in the Bureau can she find something out. She's going to have to do a lot more work to figure out what happened to her brother. Um, we, so Elsie's like, why don't we turn on some music? It'll cheer you up. So she pulls out this radio that she built herself. Um when she first turns it on, it's, like, too loud, so then they're kind of worried that they're going to get caught by Bertha, but nothing happens. Um, they turn it back on at a lower volume, and then we find out that there have been attacks across um, the U.S. and Europe, um, and there are, so, like, it's not music, it's just, like, some news station, and it is saying that, like, with um, one night brother dead and the other one locked up, there's, like, all these, like, rumblings about a new magician being around um which is the first time we've heard about magicians we don't know what they are and what that is um so elsie kind of explains that they are humans who have real magic so like we talked about before robin was asking like everyone it seems in this world has potential for magic um and then whether or not you're in the bureau like if you're in the bureau then you're give you're like allowed to access like the amount that you have um but magicians have way more and can use it for way more and we kind of find out that they're considered evil because the night brothers were both magicians and waged war on the entire supernatural world so it's like i don't know we're like finding out I guess we're just seeing how like the bureau and the like supernatural world does mimic or there are a lot of parallels to the known world in terms of like prejudices and what's allowed and it's just like how how can somebody who's born with like or have this huge magic potential like not be allowed you know what I mean um so yeah it's just like yeah it's also one of those lots things of where, little um when they're when you're 
born and people just consider you evil for something you have no control over and ostracize mm-hmm. you for something you have no control over, it seems pretty clear and almost inevitable that you would then turn around and be bitter and rage war because like the only yeah. thing that you can do um like you're as soon as they figure out what you're capable of, you're basically a criminal for nothing more than just existing. Um Exactly. Or you have to like hide yourself. And so um and in like hiding yourself or shrink like kind of shrinking yourself, right? Not being able to use your reach your full potential, like obviously you're gonna be resentful and antagonistic towards people who are stopping you from doing that. <laughs> like it feels very clear to me that like are they evil because they're magicians or are they evil because you've deemed them evil before they even got to make that choice or or have done mm-hmm. any actions to put them on that path, you know? The magician of prison yeah, pipeline but also the thing that they're that you're the main thing is that you want people to adhere to a certain system of magical use and if they don't adhere to that system of magical use then they're outlaws and that is something that has to be like better like questioned in society that is not which is so interesting to me because they've all kind of like been indoctrinated by like oh the right way is the system that is set up by the bureau of supernatural affairs without being like more thoughtful to like but what does it mean for this to be the only way? Like, and this is the only mm-hmm. right way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then Bertha shows up and yells at them for still being awake. So they're like, all right, guess we got to get in bed. Um, and it's probably what, like seven o'clock now? Right. <laughs> Um, she goes, I'm hungry. I'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some food. Dinner. <laughs> Child abuse. Okay. <laughs> um. So then, uh, Elsie brings up there's a badge test tomorrow, and she was like, "My overall potential rose really high on the badge tester, so I feel pretty good." And Amari thinks back to how hers shattered. And when she explains it to Elsie, Elsie's like, that means you've got so much potential, the badge tester can't contain it. Um, I bet you're going to get a Moonstone badge, which was not on the chart, but that's because they're very rare. Um, And it also turns out Quentin had a Moonstone badge too. Um, But this kind of like makes Amari nervous because again, she's being compared to her brother and like having to worry about living up to him and his like legacy. Um, And also not feeling like she's much like him at all. Uh, and then Elsie, so Elsie's like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Um, and we kind of find out that part of her powers as a weird dragon is that she can sense people's like emotions and auras, um, which is like a cool little power to have. I mess with weird dragons. Um, but yeah, so um, Elsie's kind of like, I really do think you could be a hero. And Amari's like, I'm here to save my brother. I'm not trying to do all that. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of where we leave it. Um, Elsie goes to sleep, but Amari doesn't sleep much. But that makes sense because it's only 7 o'clock. I bet it's still light outside. It's summertime. Sun's still out. I hate that for them. Are they in a different time zone? 
I'm thinking that like time changes. They are still in Atlanta. They're still in the Atlanta area now. The they're bureau. still in Atlanta. But yeah, no, they're still in Atlanta. It's not a. I don't think it's a portal. It's not a portal. They're just underground. I think they're it's. Like, I yeah. I think it's because they're underground. There's no natural light where they are. I don't know. I'm trying to make sense. They're going to bed. It's up there. Are they're underground? <laughs> Even if you're twelve, you go to bed at like eight or nine, right? Dang. Probably not. When I was 12, I was going to bed at like 12 or 1 a.m. Not 1. I was sent to bed. Did I go to sleep? No. <laughs> First off, my dad worked night, so I was awake until he got home. Secondly, 9? Who goes to bed at 9? My brain is finally making sense. I don't think I ever went to bed at 9 unless I like was exhausted. But... Yeah, I would I mean, say I've been going to bed like, at I, nine a lot more. I've got to bed at nine my a lot be- more yeah. at my big age than I ever did when I was yeah. twelve. When I was younger, I think because I would stay up reading books. If even yep. if it's like flash by flashlight, I'd be reading books mm. until my eyes got tired enough for me to until go to your sleep. Eyes, that that exactly, was my bedtime. That's when I went to bed. When my eyes that were was like, my you bedtime. Know what? It's a wrap. But I'm just, I just, it doesn't make any sense. So I was trying to make it make sense. Seven o'clock is not. Yeah, that's too early. Um. All right. MVP. I said Elsie. Um, she's a weird dragon. And also because she just seems like she's a nice person and like somebody that Amari needs in her corner. Like she needs friends. Um. And we haven't yet seen. We saw like that quick moment with Jaden, but we haven't really seen her like hang out with anyone really so yeah but yeah. mostly because she's I... a were dragon <laughs> so for me her being a were dragon was a cool exciting like fun fact but it wasn't the reason why she's mvp i made elsie my mvp because she's the first person that like truly attempts to make amari feel welcome um and mm-hmm. i just there's something about kids meeting and making friends in two seconds that I find so adorable. Like, I remember like when um, I used to take Ami and Asha to the playground and she would just go stand next to the kids awkwardly and then all of a sudden they'd be like, do you want to play with me? And she'd be like, yes. And then they'd be best friends and then they'd know each other's whole life stories and like it all happened so fast. And so I also love that like, and even in this world and Amari's terrified and everything like that, like the first person that makes her feel welcome, the first person that, like, she knows that she's going to spend some uh, some amount of time with, they're going to be roommates, and they are, like, fast friends. I love that. I, too, made Elsie my MVP, also because of friendship. However, what I really kind of, like, dug into here was how much their friendship was built on, like, affirmation and um, reading each other's moods and honesty. Because El- um, Elsie has the ability to read auras, she's able to notice that after she spoke to Amari about not knowing where Quentin is, she's like, oh, let's cheer you up. Amari didn't say anything about being sad, but she could read her aura and was like, oh, this one me to cheer you up. And when she mentions that she uh, built the radio using spare parts, Amari affirms her by saying, oh, you're brilliant. And so they keep going back and forth being affirmative to each other, which I find like so heartwarming. And then uh, when Elsie later shares that she can read uh, Mari's aura when she's lying about how she feels because she's trying to kind of like 
put build confidence into herself even whenever even when she's not feeling any um and Elsie's basically like you don't have to do all that like I can tell you right now like I can t- I can read auras I can tell how you're feeling Amari doesn't like being read in the moment but I think that she comes to like feel a little bit better about the moment um like how abrasive she was in reaction to it and like want to apologize to Elsie because of like how Elsie was honest with her about her ability to do that and the fact that she read Amari um through feelings and she was being very careful with her feelings she wasn't being like oh I can read your aura so I know you're lying like she was really just trying to be mm-hmm. there for Amari when Amari needed someone so I just thought that Elsie was just, like the like the best um kind of friend that Amari could have and also the best person we've met in the bureau so far yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, low bar, <laughs> let's be honest. But, like, oh, yes. She's still, low bar. She is still, like, objectively a good right. person. And she's also, um, a, yes. like, not yes. really, like, a part of the Bureau yet, technically. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she hasn't been, um... She knows about it because she's a supernatural being. Part of like, it, she's, yeah. No, yeah, but she, she was, it does not work for her. Her guardian, She's not yeah. corrupted by it yet. She hasn't been part of, like, the system and, like, molded and shaped yet. Yeah. And she's yeah. not in the inner, like you know circles yeah she's kind of considered like an anomaly or a or a what do you call it like a party trick type i don't know what the what the word Mm. is but like uh she's a sensation what is that called A, a spectacle spectacle thank you um so even then she's not like fully integrated into the bureau so much as she's just like this like you know yeah um benched i benched lucy and all of her (laughs) ai elevator brethren and all of the ai that is in the world and i just benched them on the principle of like constant vigilance and the robot apocalypse and i don't need no machines giving me advice on my appearance because you don't have a Who body, asked ma'am. you? Who asked exactly. you? Exactly. You don't know nothing about this life. You don't know what it's like to have a beard unless you programmed one. This is not smart health. Take me to the floor and like let's leave the commentary out of it, please. But also don't kill me. <laughs> don't kill me. It's important. Mm-hmm. And I um, think it's a story in my own personal belief. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, we we know it's fine. <laughs> Ada really started like Ada was like the beginning and the end of you ever. <laughs> Ada ruined like... me, broke me. I still have not watched this season finale. <laughs> really? I'll get That's to hilarious. it. I'll get to That's it. I, she broke me. <sighs> um, I finished uh, the supernatural investigation execs because. How are you not going to have at least something for someone? Like Amari said, someone knows something. You don't have anything for freaking Quentin's, uh, like, where he is. You don't have anything to give the family at least an understanding of, like, is he, do you consider him alive or dead? Is there someone working on the case that they can contact? You don't give, you don't have anything. So that was one of my things. And then generally just, like, it things feel real shoddy, and I feel like they're the ones to blame. 
and I feel like this feeling is probably going to grow. So I feel like they're the right people to target for how I'm feeling about Quentin, how they um, allow his figure to be promoted in the world, and how they've like not been held accountable to actually give anybody any real information. Mm-hmm. Um, I binged Bertha for acting like she was major pain. Like I just need her to relax. <laughs> like you were in charge of children, ma'am. Like you don't have to be this like intense. Um, but yeah, I she's just like not making pain, them already feel welcome at all. Like <laughs> she's just not making anyone feel welcome. And like I feel like at the start of a camp, that's maybe what you would should be setting out to do. But also, like, I why is this not. your job? Like, were you what job were you vying for, and this is where you landed? Because you clearly don't want to be here, right? She want to be a special agent. You can see the way that she. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. She saluted when Magnus rolled up. That's what I'm saying. Paul Blart yeah. Mall Cop over here. I mean, I guess we all have to start somewhere, but girl, this this is not it for you. I can tell. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, join us next week when we discuss chapter nine. Wither Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create. If you want to keep up with our other content, you can check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com. Follow us on Twitter, if it still exists, at blknerdscreate, at Yana wrote it, at Robin underscore rambles, and at or she, uh. We are also on Instagram at blacknerdscreate and Tumblr at Black Nerds Create, and you can subscribe to our monthly magic newsletter. And don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to this podcast. Enjoy this podcast? Want to hear more like it? Take our community survey. Your feedback is invaluable as we plan for 2023 and beyond. Mm-hmm.